This episode of See Here is dedicated to the American bands Death and Black Death, the first true black metal bands. see here land no i am not morris i am someone completely different from morris morris is out playing the drums on the road in a beatles tribute band he's doing the best ringo uh, he can do but today kids we're uh, coming at you with a, something a little bit different so all the way from bath england we have lord bernard stickwell I don't know what that was, sorry. The cold reaches of the Canadian north. We've dug deep into the northern tundra, into the crypts, and we've pulled out a carcass that has been just dying to get on the show. The one, the only, Mr. Jimmy Lamort. Howdy, folks. How you doing, James? I'm alive, surprisingly. And me, I'm one pissed off mime in the uh, far northern reaches of Canada. So uh, I'd like everybody to get your uh, Dungeons and Dragons books out and Get your dice in hand and your uh, character sheets ready, because we're ready to uh, delve into the deep, dark reaches of Norwegian black metal. And we are covering the film Lords of Chaos. Here I am, an average teenager, you may think. But you couldn't be more wrong. I am the founder of Mayhem, the most infamous black metal band in the world. We are Lords of Chaos. Grace suck. Life was easy back then. It was all about having fun, drinking beer, playing hard and loud music. And then everything changed. Varg, the lone wolf. I hereby appoint you bass player of mayhem. We have to take this to the next level. Now you said it yourself. We should burn them all down. If you do this, we're f- He did it. A terror has swept across Norway. The police have described the murder as extremely violent. Either you do it for the cause and you take action, or you do it because you want attention. You can't have it both ways. The suspect, known as the Count, has You pretend to be my friend so you can hit me off guard? Why do you care about him so much? I thought you were true Norwegian black metal. I invented it. And now you betray it. No! You had this dream, this vision. You were in control. You were a leader. Still be all of those things if you wanted to. Everyone around you are disgusting little incense. Let's go! Yeah! 
Do it. What? Pull the trigger! Hi, Pellet's dad. We're going to the summer house and we would love it if you come. So anyway, this was Bernie's choice, Lord Bernard Stickwell. <laughs> what caused you to deep down into the reaches and bring us such a satanic treat on such a lovely holiday? Yeah, it's kind weekend. of apt, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are recording this on the Saturday in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, so timing was right. perfect. I read the book when it came out. I was like 15, 20 odd years ago now, I guess. I remember all this stuff going on at the time. This was the early 90s. I remember reading that legendary issue of Kerrang! magazine when that came out. And I saw it recently. Obviously, it's a new release. It's doing the rounds at the moment, I guess. And I thought it would be cool to cover a newer film and just sort of delve into something maybe a little darker than we normally cover here, you know? And a little more extreme. Because I know certainly uh, both you and I, Tim, are uh, kind of fans of uh, some more extreme music, more so than Morris, perhaps. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so uh, I just figured it would be uh, be nice to to see what we think of it. There ain't going to be any peace, love, and happiness on this episode. Heck no. I guess where we should start is, Jimmy, where did you uh, come in in all of this, man? What was the first time you'd heard about the cases? Well, actually, I was written about it. Krang that uh, right before that issue that we were mentioning about the big, uh, they were talking about the fact that Mayhem had just put out a demo and my career with my band had a very similar trajectory to them so it's funny that a lot of the magazines where people were talking about my band Mal Havoc they're talking about Mayhem so I followed them pretty closely because I remember hearing their demo uh, before the Death Crush and I was a huge Celtic Frost fan and you know anyone in that genre I would check out and you know from a very early point I was following them and you know, I, and when the whole story blew up, it was a, uh, I, I'm a, what was it when the crank did that issue? Around 94, I'm guessing, where it came out about the church burnings and all yeah, that? 93, yeah, 93, 94, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah, I read the Lords of Chaos book, too, also. And yeah, I was just, you know, completely enthralled by it because, like, to me... It always amazed me. I met people like hardcore DJs from France and I meet people from uh, from Israel that are inside trance. It's funny how our upbringings are almost exactly the same. It's the same with what happened in Norwegian black metal scene. Uh, reading the book and then seeing the movie, it's how similar their, their childhood was or their teenage years was to mine. And it's so weird that uh, how all these, you know, we're all considered different countries and different scenes and different things, but we all sort of have, you know, especially us on the edges of society, on the outcasts of the alternatives or be it the goths or metalheads sort of no matter where you were you had this sort of similar upbringing and it's just sort of interesting how their scene led to what happened there and how do you say uh, criminal activity right now what makes me kind of laugh about the whole thing everyone had kind of similar upbringings you know and for me it was like maiden and priest and slayer and wasp and all that stuff but then venom rolls around you know and it's like we drink the vomit of the priest make love to the dying whore and it's just like uh oh these guys ain't playing, but they were. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is now is I, I often wonder after all this, the stuff that happened in Norway, whether Kronos and his little trio were sitting back going, oh, shit, what did we do? 
Yeah, with it, you know, birth with to it, a monster. Yeah. If somebody puts a seed of conception out there, or ideas of something, you have no idea how far people will take it or how it's going to germinate, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you're responsible for it. It's, you, you can't no. control what other people are going to do, can you? But at the same time, it must have been pretty no. fucking horrifying for them. Yeah, I think with Zeta, you can't really blame them. They were obviously clowning around like so many other artists because the fact they had such good music that became such popular. I mean, if they didn't have the good songs, I don't think anyone would have given a shit of what about what they were into or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were such a good band that they became so so huge, and that's what led to the inspiration behind black metal. And I know a lot of people will, will laugh at that because it's totally different when you think about Venom and you compare it to what's going on today in black metal. But that is the truth. That is the truth. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is the absolute truth. I even laugh today. Like People think it's hilarious when I tell them there are albums that you're afraid to play in your house that your parents would actually hear you listening to yeah. when you were a kid. And it was just like Venom was one of them, man. It's just like, you're like, holy shit, man. If I bring this into my house, man, it's like bringing leprosy into your house. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was always really, the kind of guys at school who were a bit older than me and kind of into this stuff, they had their like denim jackets or leather jackets with these kind of band names on the back. And I thought, man, what the fuck is that? How, you know, how do you even get into that? It just, it seems completely otherworldly and terrifying to me. And yet at the same time, really, uh, like I really wanted to listen to it. It's complete. Like, these jackets right now are the most hippest thing in the metal scene. They call them battle jackets. Oh, now. sure. Yeah, know, yeah. The thing is, yeah. Everybody has to have one of those jackets today. It's yeah. Like, like something that so old is now so hip and cool exactly what do you think do i look evil i like it really promise promise you know what happens if you break a promise satan comes after you but I, I guess we should start, I guess, where, for those not in the know, what the whole film basically deals with, I mean, or just the basic outline of the whole story. I think it's important to state as well, Jonas yeah. Ackerland, the director, at the start of the movie, there's a little kind of title card that says this film is based on truth, lies, and what actually happened. It, it's one of those things, a series of events that have kind of, you know, become legendary, and in the Rashomon kind of way, no one knows exactly what happened, and yet everybody who was there is an expert on what happened and it's kind of a biopic it's kind of a true story but i don't know is it <laughs> right it all depends on who you talk to because yeah. you know i can tell you right now if it was varg making the movie it would have been completely different oh sure right? yeah yeah you know? i can tell you we all know that there's a lot of facts that were changed in the film yeah kind of obviously changed it for the general pub to make yeah. it more interesting right. regardless of the content when you're bringing historical facts to the screen you've got to take liberties in order to kind of make it more like you say interesting and palatable you know you you, you just sure. can't lay down everything exactly the way it happened because that way you know people say oh well this is boring well what do you want do you want truth or entertainment you yeah, know what yeah. i mean it's, it's just it that's the way it was i gotta say i think the film would have been more entertaining if it was more truthful others right. made the introduction of the love interest it really bothered me the two main characters in the film are totally portrayed falsely i think from what i know of the story the two main characters are totally wrong and you know it's done to appeal to an audience. Let's just get into the beginning of the story, though, like how this kind of comes to be. It's basically the birth and evolution of a metal movement out of Norway. 
and it starts with just a small select group of guys in a, you know in a remote town or and it germinates into something that it is still even carried on and felt today long after some of those that are around and some of those are long gone this is it so going back to the beginning with dead i thought one of the things that i thought was kind of they were saying they're looking for a singer and they find this guy dead calls himself dead but dead wasn't actually the first singer was he i think there was a guy that was before dead but i think he was the one that they really got the attention with the notice with yeah that's when um, they made the death crush that's when they yeah when they actually started going somewhere going places they were around for what six years before dead joined them so they obviously had other singers but I mean, he never got noticed till Dead no, joined. And I think the whole thing about the truth of the thing with Dead is it's almost like a precursor warning that nobody really noticed because where they weren't as serious about things, he was beyond serious. Yeah. Wait, are you, you're just going to... I'm going to leave it there and it's going to explode. And it was almost like an ominous, like almost like a Shakespearean foretelling, you know, of, hey, man, like, you know, be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Yeah, he totally changed. From that point, he joined the band. It was a totally different band from that point on. should just point out here that we're actually talking about the band Mayhem because I don't think we've actually mentioned this so far, have we? No. So this is the uh, the Norwegian band Mayhem who uh, generally regarded created the, uh, black metal, yeah. particular sound which people took up and ran with. You know the who the guy was who played Dead? was actually Val Kilmer's son. Yes, it yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought he did an amazing job, man. I thought the guy who played Dead was just, I thought he, yeah, he, I thought he Dead, nailed it. I thought Dead in the film was pretty authentic to the real person, more so than the two other characters. He was the point when, the band before that was just playing covers pretty much. They were all Celtic Frost, Venom, Bathory covers is all they did. And when Dead joined the band, and I have to think, I don't think that he was like, the way he was portrayed in the film, the Euronymous looked at him as, wow, this guy's so cool. That's the thing that bothered me. Euronymous was the coolest guy in the city. Euronymous was the coolest guy. Euronymous is the starting point for all that Norwegian black metal. He is the man in the scene, and everybody looked up to him. And in the film, they portray him as like a young, sort of lost character that was looking for something cool, and he grabbed Dead when he met him. And I don't believe that at all. I believe that Euron- Dead looked up to Euronymous. It was the other way around. Right. No, I don't, I don't think it's as, as cut and dried as that in the film. Like, you, you do get a sense that Euronymous really looks up to Dead in a way it kind of feels like you get it the other way around as well i don't know yeah yeah the definitely looked up to him but i mean that sort of voiceover work of the movie really bothers me we hear euronymous sort of second guessing himself through the whole film i'm like yeah. what like, i think the real euronymous it was a total leader he was never a guy that would second guess himself or was never a guy that would be like you know, this guy's so cool i want to be around him euronymous never thought like that the real euronymous never thought like that as the character right the film, i believe did but i think there's something and no spoilers yet, but right from the get-go, from the beginning of the film, they want you to feel for Euronymus. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's the center he, of the story, isn't he? He's the right, leading yeah. man, essentially, they had, yeah. They went too far with this image. Right, hey, I right. think Euronymus in real life was gay. A sure of himself character. He was a guy that didn't doubt himself whatsoever. And I guess that wouldn't look or wouldn't hold up to general audiences to understand this character. They had to make him somewhat fallible. I, I think he was a sympathetic character, even if he was full sure. Right. But I mean, they had to make it like looking for sympathy in a way. Right. But it's no no spoiler to say this. But I mean, eventually he meets his untimely death at the hands of Varg Verkinus and he's murdered in a pretty violent way. And I think like that's why they tried to make him sympathetic, or they tried to pull the more like you're saying they over 
pull the emotional strings on it to really make it kind of dr- drive it home. And all this poor guy was murdered like senselessly, and all like he, well, he's you know, like he had the, a lot he's the, the tragic him. hero, isn't he? You know, right, exactly. And it exactly. almost sort of implies as well towards the end that he's kind of maybe he's outgrowing it a little bit, and he's looking elsewhere, and he's realizing yeah, complete bullshit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's complete bullshit. He yeah. was just getting started. Like, give me a absolutely. break. That again, like I say, that's the thing. You have to go back to the fact that Jonas Ackerland is actually making a film he's making a story and he's quite apparently not that interested in portraying what really did happen or getting a real grip on the characters you know it makes it difficult to kind of particularly you know with you two guys obviously big fans of the music and the scene and makes it difficult to you know distance your opinion of this film from the music and what actually happened because it was a big part of your lives, you know what I mean? Well, and me too. Yeah, it is exactly. tough to be objective, I, isn't it? I yeah. think it's Jonas's best film by far. I think in the film, I was expecting it to be a big giant turd like the uh, Queen and the and the Motley Crue films, but oh. it was actually I thought better than the Queen and the Motley Crue films because it was a well-made film, and the, especially the main scenes, the murder scenes, shall we say? Or the yeah, murder yeah. Yeah. We're very well executed as far as tension and all that. He doesn't back away from the gore either. The the yeah, violence in it, it is brutal. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much. The, the band was obsessed with it, so why not show yeah. it in the movie, right? Yeah, sure. sure. You can almost argue that maybe this is kind of well, it was where they were coming from. But those kind of scenes, you know, the absolute awful violence when Faust, isn't it, stabs the guy in in the park. Yeah, the hustler. All that awful stuff is kind of happening, but the backdrop, it seems that Norway is just this really bland, normal grey almost boring place everything is just like perfect and serene and boring but they're creating this chaos over the top of it all aren't they trying to tap into that jogger discovered the body of a 43 year old man who was stabbed to death that that was you yeah what when last night that was it's a really smart fucking move, man. It's weird how they didn't show that murder of the gay man, but yet they didn't talk about like there's so much still going on as far as like how you say fascist or homophobic sure. or racism with mayhem to this day. And yeah. yet they didn't touch upon it, but they included the scene where what's his name killed the uh, gay man. I found quite interesting. Like why not let's talk right. about homophobic right. instincts? Let's talk right. about the, some of that stuff. But they did. They showed that scene. And there was a scene when Varg was being interviewed when he. Was sitting there in his chair and he had a, a nazi flag up on the wall yeah they didn't go into it no no not at all i think they're kind of they're letting the characters give themselves enough rope to hang themselves do you <laughs> yeah. know what i mean i mean hopefully yeah, exactly. if you're watching this and thinking shit actually Varg's pretty cool then yeah. you've got a fucking problem to begin with do you know what i mean right so, absolutely uh, i guess maybe he just felt like he didn't need to be too heavy-handed with that stuff because if you're watching this there's a pretty good chance you know how it all turned out and you've got a rough idea what happened to afterward right. One thing I've always found hypocritical about the whole scene and the situation was that the whole origin of black metal and everything was to be very isolationist, to be very anti-scene, so to speak, to be as cut off from society as, as humanly possible. Yet in the film, you know, Varg's looking for his residuals. You know, he's looking for the money back. Can he's we call- for, like, you know, like, I've got to sell your albums, dude. And he's like, well, where's my money? You know, and it's like, are you an artist or are you a, you know, are you a demonic entity? Like, it's all. <laughs> 
all you know, like, you know, back in your crypt. You know, it's like you come out of your crypt every once in a while and check the mailbox for your checks. You know, it's like. <laughs> and Euronymous is all in the movies, all about being famous and celebrity, isn't he? You know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is that you know, but the whole origin of black metal was to be so isolationist mm. and to be so cut off as, as cold and distant from society as you could be. You know, but I mean, these guys are just like almost acting like you know they're, they're like posers. LA, they're LA, posers. LA guns or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact he calls himself Varg and he's trying to get everyone on the internet to call him Varg when his name is Lewis. Can yeah, you yeah. Pardon, pardon Lewis, please? Yeah. I mean, they make a good point of that in the film, too, that he is, they all, you know, they, the hiding of the names and all that is hilarious. Oh, yeah. yeah, the fact that like, Christian, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's like a, a one scene when he gets pissed off and they don't, they don't call him Varg and it was almost like you could hear the kid in the basement where his mother's going, Lewis! Like, Mom, my name's Varg! Don't call me Lewis! You know, like with my friends playing Dungeons and Dragons, fuck off! You know, like, but you no, know, it's, it's it's just funny how initially he goes to Euronymous at first, and they totally blow him off, and then from there he goes, okay, I'll show him. I'll teach him. Did you hear about the part where Jonas changed the storyline from uh, uh, Motley Crue to Scorpions? Because he worked with Motley Crue, he done video for them, and that scene where he makes fun, I think it was Lewis was wearing a Motley Crue yeah. patch. You guys were very good. The gig was very good. My name's Christian. I'm from, uh, I'm, I'm from Bergen. Scorpions. Now, Oyston says to him, you know, what the fuck is that, you poser? In the movie, they change it to Scorpions. And I'm yeah. like, Scorpions? They're not posers. Like, if you're going to make fun of somebody, you might as well take somebody from L.A. as opposed to somebody from Germany. Shit, yeah. exactly. you know, being exactly. a poser. Hilarious. Something that the film does well, it's not really something we've touched on at this point, but it does a good job of constantly reminding you that these are pretty much just kids. They're like 18, 19, 20 years old at this point. Certainly, that's right. how they're portrayed in the film. A lot of what happens is actually pretty childish, stupid stuff, but just taken to ridiculous extremes. It's like the uh, Norwegian version of the film Kids, right? Yeah, but I, I can't help but feel it's kind of goofier. I mean, like we're talking about, when Varg is uh, introduced, he's kind of a goofball, do you know what I mean? And yeah. he's, he's kind yeah. of portrayed that way. If you've been in the metal scene, like I've been in the metal scene, you've run across those people every day. I mean, sure. in the metal scene, craziness is celebrated almost. No disrespect to uh, metal fans, because, you know, I would certainly count myself amongst them. But <laughs> I think a lot of people get into the, the fantasy aspect of it. And it's a way of avoiding reality and a way of avoiding growing up to a certain extent. You're totally be. right. They create their own reality. I mean, you know, that's what these guys yeah. are doing here, isn't it? I actually like that aspect of metal, that it does take you away. Way, but that's the thing is you can't lose your grip on reality yeah it's like anything right it's like you know like for example like with all the the christian groups going after dungeons and dragons when all the kids were playing D D in the 80s they were saying all these kids are all going to practice satanic worship and yada 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 and it's like yeah maybe one kid who's mentally unstable but all the rest of the kids are just having fun that kid was mentally unstable in the first place it wasn't necessarily yeah, exactly. yeah all music to me an extent is a way of escapism absolutely be it metal or be it fucking sure. uh, Neil Diamond, it's still <laughs> sure. Sure. But meanwhile, you're still going to have that woman who's locked up in, in her attic. She has a little shrine with Neil Diamond's hair and maybe his sweat in a vial. <laughs> yeah. And she's sitting there worshiping Neil Diamond, right? So it doesn't matter whether it's like satanic death metal or Neil Diamond, man. You get your fanaticism and you get, you know, your people that take it too far in any field of music. Sweet Caroline, good times never seem so good. 
that I liked that I think they didn't really cover enough in the movie was the fact that how Christianity overthrew these native religions in Norway and the conquering Christians changed Norway forever and Lewis was trying to get back to the old values and the pagan beliefs and you know especially now with black metal today that's a very 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 big part of it and they sort of dumbified it all down in the movie I know what you're saying man but I don't think again in you know he's making a film and I don't necessarily think knowing all that stuff because that's what the book does really well it goes into all that stuff and it gives you a big overview of all that kind of thing maybe he just didn't feel it was that necessary he was telling the story story of these guys these people that's where the movie worked but if you want the real story the best thing is to read the book oh sure absolutely yeah Yeah. you wonder whether or not they were just using the whole thing about the pagan religions and the Christian domination as an excuse just to burn down the churches whether or not they felt I am pagan or it's a real shame or it really disgusts me or they were just saying hey man I'm going to be bad and this is how I'm going to justify it What do you think about the music, about the performances in this? You think they came across in terms of playing the music? The, uh, think, the concert scenes were uh, were pretty good. A I thought it was better energy. than the Motley Crue and Queen movies. I thought the actors were a lot better. And I mean, I, I just the fact, I mean, I thought the acting was very good, but I didn't like the, the way they portrayed the two main characters. Yeah, but I, I mean, guess the actors the, were a lot better than the other musical biographies that I've just seen. Yeah, I guess out, if, if there's issues, it's with the script, isn't it? I think the performances were yeah, all exactly. really good. I thought Rory Culkin yeah was really good as Euronymous and Emery Cohen wasn't it played Varg uh, and I thought he was excellent you can really see that yeah. kind of transition of power between them and how the protege becomes the master and so and even yeah. like you know all the supporting guys the rest of the band I thought were really good uh, Jack Kilmer was good as dead so yeah across the board I think yeah, the acting was far superior than, like I said, the, I thought the Queen and the Motley Crew movie. So I quite enjoyed the movie. I mean, even though I have my displeasures with, you know, like sure. I said, the script, the changes, yeah. I thought it was a good movie. It's important to realize that for us as fans that, you know, really knew what happened and all of this, they couldn't make a film that was strictly just for us or for people that really knew the facts. You know, I think Ackerlin had enough common sense to realize that he had to make it, you know, wide enough, provide details, but make it wide enough that would draw interest from people who really hadn't had any uh, pre prehistory yeah. with any of this or, yeah. or, you know, they really didn't have any grounding in this. If he had played it all factual, and like you said, Jimmy, like it would have been more entertaining to us. But I think... Maybe the general public would have went, oh, these guys are just a bunch of fucking idiots. Why am I watching this? It's a lot easier to story the plot line when you make it that way. You know what I mean? If mm. it portrayed Euronymous as a gay older man above the scene, it would have been a totally different film. Yeah, yeah. In a way as well, it's kind of a bit of a, a poison chalice for uh, Jonas Ackerlund because if he had made a super detailed factual version of what actually happened, I think all the uh, like the true Norwegian cult metalheads would be like, fuck you, dude, why are you doing this about our scene? Do you know what I mean? I, I think it would be difficult yeah, yeah. for him to win either way. That's the thing, it's, people don't realize that he is, was in the band that started Bathory. next to yeah. Sure, yeah, He's yeah. A drummer of Bathory. And yeah. that's why I think the film turned out so well, because I think he did understand what was going on. He went through it himself when he put, was part of the scene. Right. And I mean, I give him total credit. I think this film's pretty damn good. We are going to burn down every single church and blow up the biggest cathedral in all of Norway. And we've been involved in murder, too. Murder? 
and Lilyhammer last year. Would you say that this film would be decent enough to be like a companion piece to something like uh, Where the Light Takes Us? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't see why not, yeah. It gets a lot of just the smaller details, just the look of things. So all the the kind of set design and art design, that people knew what the fuck they were doing. I actually thought when I watched this the first time, I really wanted to put this up against a film that we covered in the past on the the show, Suburbia. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. You can draw parallels, yeah. To me, like, Suburbia was the about this kind of microcosm of a scene and we're somewhere into it 110% and others fell out and and then you know it winds up with death and this kind of tragedy you know and it's like you know how far things go and how far things are kind of construed and uh, where they you know where they eventually wind up going I mean it's it's just funny on a broader level as well both films are about sort of you know people who would describe themselves as rejects from society just looking to belong to something that's theirs Right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? The, the whole kind of, you know, the, the inner circle thing right. in this and so on. Despite these people just detesting society, they want to belong to something that's kind of bigger to them, bigger right. than them at the same time. So I, I think both films right. are about identity and trying to find yourself and, as I say, trying to belong to something. Right. But the thing is, too, it's almost like the sea where you wade into it. And the deeper you wade into it, you realize that you're not the one that has control anymore. Sure, it's, the yeah. sea, it's the sea, you know. And, it's just currents and trying just to it. pull you down, yeah. Right. One thing that I thought was kind of funny that I have to point out is that, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, like I said in the beginning of the intro, you know, pull out your Dunces and Dragons dice and your character sheets because it's like how all these guys are trying to assume roles. And a lot of the names actually, like Grishnacht and all that stuff, came from Tolkien and came from Dungeons and Dragons sure, yeah, and all yeah. of this, right? And what I find even further more hilarious is that after his release from prison, Varg actually came out with his own role-playing game. Really? I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually came out with his own middle, almost like a Middle-earth role-playing game about racial wow. purity and about paganism and like, yeah, yeah. The whole book, I think you can download it as a PDF. It's like, I can't I, believe it. I find it fucking hilarious that he moved to France. Somehow he got into France and then next thing you know, Notre Dame burns down. I can't believe he was allowed to put out fucking records while he was in jail. I mean, like, what the hell? The other thing is that guy that killed all those kids on that island was one of his followers, and no one talks about that. It's better to him telling him he was, like, going to do something like that before he did it, and Vard yes. never told the cop. That's why I think Vard should have done more time. Lewis should have done more time. His mother actually assists him in trying to get away and to escape. Because you knew about that when he, yeah. he went on the lamb. Yeah. Was this when he first came out? He was on parole or something, and he tried driving right. across the border with yeah. a car full yeah, of guns. Yeah, France with guns. He tried yeah. to enter France, and he had guns. Yeah. <laughs> and his mother, dick, his, mother, his mother tried to basically help him escape or something. I forget the whole details of it, but, but man, like... He's a piece of human shit, that man, really. Yeah. It has totally. to be said. That's what, yeah, every time <laughs> I go see Mayhem Live, I say, if I see four people wearing a Burzum shirt, the fourth one's going to get punched in the face. Absolutely. Like, how can people yeah. walk around wearing those shirts it yeah. freaks me out they must not know shit I mean, right. yeah, the, yeah. support this guy? Either well, ignorant or stupid, and neither is an excuse, you know? No, but it's kind of like these assholes I see that are wearing screwdriver shirts, and they say, hey, man, I like the music. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck off. off. Yeah. No, fuck <laughs> off. Like, don't even. Don't yeah. even. You know, like, no. So how the hell did he get 
getting to France after he, he tried and failed when he was carrying guns. I heard he's living there now. How did how did someone get into France after all that? Right. I don't I know. It's no bizarre. Idea. But you know now he, he does these weekly commentaries from his from the front seat of his car on YouTube. <laughs> that he he actually well, was, goes, Okay, the week he came out of jail, I was watching them every day and then after about a week or two I just got tired of his nonsense. Trying to understand the enemy has always been my thing. I just cannot believe that kids are enthralled by this guy. Right, right. But are they are they still? I mean, well, yeah, I don't know. Like I guess maybe they are. Subscribers, yes. Yeah. He's doing well on YouTube. Right. That's the thing. Well, it's you know, uh, you know, white nationalism and so on. It, it's a pretty big fucking thing in Europe. Obviously, it's in the well, states as well. Everywhere, not but, just yeah. Europe. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty so, yeah. bad here right now in Canada. When I see yeah. guys with birds of church, I just want to punch them in the face. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, this is an interesting thing, though, and it, and it brings up a point where. When any scene starts, whether it's a musical genre or a scene in a city or whatever, it's almost like a stream that breaks into so many tributaries. And that's what the film basically shows, you know, how people, certain people went certain ways with mm -hmm. it, you know, some more extreme than others. Yeah. And But you really can't, after a while, control where it goes. The people take it where they want to take it and i think there's a lot of guys now that are in the black metal scene like what's his name there fenris yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and he and he's in the art but but i mean but he, what he's doing is a complete different thing than what varg's doing i mean it's like that's and, my record i wrote get down that's exactly what that record's about it's about having an idea and presenting it as art and people taking it and taking the wrong things and running with it mm -hmm. right and again it goes all back to venom you know where what, what venom put out sure. there and then yeah. you know some took it as a joke some took it as playing a little bit too much dungeons and dragons and some people took it as serious you know i think with varg he got to the point where i don't think he even gives a shit about the music do you know I mean, it's more, it's a, yeah. it's a vehicle for his uh, sort of repellent ideas and beliefs. Vanity, vanity. Yeah. vanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's not even vanity, it's just what he does to get his awful message across to people, I think. Maybe right, when he was right. younger and when when all this, you know, the events in the film were happening, maybe the music was important to him then, but certainly, probably once he hit prison, since then, it's, do you know what oh, I yeah, mean? It's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. It's totally changed, yeah. yeah. He's no longer, you know, it's, it's just about, he's now, he's an ego now, he's no longer a musician, you yeah. know? I'm gonna kill Varg. Oh, okay. I'm gonna use this and paralyze that fucking idiot. Drag him to the forest, tie him to a tree, torture him to death and make a fucking snuff film out of the whole thing. So, aside from uh, where the light takes us in this film, is there any other films that you know of, Jimmy, that you would recommend or anything that you think people need to watch if they want it's to know funny, more? About I watch so much shit on YouTube, I have no <laughs> idea what they're called, but there's about three or four black metal things I've seen. I think it's where the light takes us, the one with Fenrez is hanging out the art gallery. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Yeah, I like that yeah. one. There was another one I saw that was on the Norwegian scene that was a good one, too, and I can't even remember. I remember watching it one day at work on YouTube. But yeah, there's so much about the Norwegian scene that's available, right? I mean, right. this is almost this film. is almost like the, the pinnacle of the whole movement, you know? Right, right. And what, what I think a lot of people need to understand, too, that's incredible about black metal is that it's almost like punk in the sense that, believe it 
it or not, out there today, and I mean, people might think it's it's totally uh, hypocrisy, but they actually have Christian black metal, and there's actually LGBT black yeah. metal. Yeah, I can tell you right now, I stopped listening to metal after the 80s because I thought it was just too, like, I mean, seriously, when Mayhem came out, they just sounded like, and even Dark Souls, just sounded like Celtic Frost Bathory. I mean, a lot of the early stuff totally sounded bad. In the 90s, I stopped listening. I was just listening to electronic music, uh, techno. But I can tell you right now, all I've been listening to the last five years is black metal. Black metal has gone beyond metal, has gone beyond so many genres. Black metal right now is the coolest fucking music going. I mean, it's all really I've been listening to again is metal again. And it's, it's thanks me basically probably to Mayhem for, or, you know, even back to Venom and Bathory and Celtic Frost. It's right. what it's turned into now. It's like you said, all these tributaries and they're yeah. so unique and they're so original and there's so much good black metal out there now. It's ridiculous. It runs the gamut, doesn't it? From just kind of yeah. lo-fi cassette recordings yeah. of, you know, one man metal bands. Just, it's just yeah, everything, like you know, yeah, to all those, shoegazy all black metal, those French bands. Yeah. And yeah, yeah just... I love, I just saw Death Heaven last week and I sure. fucking love them. People yeah. hate them because they're like uh, hipsters. But I mean, fuck, their music is so fucking good. I couldn't give a shit whether they're hipsters or not. You know what I mean? That whole American black metal scene in the shoe gaze, the black gaze, whatever yeah, they yeah. call it, is amazing. It's excellent. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, even like Sunno, well, you know, like that new album that they put out, that life metal. I just listened yeah. to that. I mean, it's fantastic, you know, and a lot, you know, so there's so many variations. It's funny how the movie just shows you how the underground still exists. The underground right now is where the best music is and where the interesting stuff is happening. It today. always has been, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I think like like you were saying, Tim, it, the black metal was kind of like punk in that it was, it's just, you know, it was a complete wiping the slate clean almost, starting and building shit from the ground up again. And I, I think you could probably say it's probably the most influential thing that's uh, happened in metal in the last well yeah, there, there hasn't been anything since has there it's, it's almost no. like a new genre yeah suddenly. black metal has taken over the yeah. scene pretty much I saw the swans back in 86 like children of god tour and seeing that man the way it hit me live it was just like nothing I'd ever heard before mm-hmm. and to me like they were like the same feeling that I got when I heard black metal for the first time was almost like that going back to early swans or even like new Bouton. yeah it was that's just, funny because some of them do incorporate that kind of stuff definitely incorporate early swans and Neubauten into this town. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I'm a guy that listens to Swans and Neubotten too. There's so many, so much good black metal out there right now. And they exactly, they're incorporating a lot of industrial. It's funny because when Varg, or, sorry, Lewis was in jail, he was often talking about bands like Prodigy and stuff that he was listening to electronic music. And it's so funny, you think you compare Prodigy to Mayhem, it's, it's laughable. But now but, you're seeing the, 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 the returns of that has caused. But I think what's interesting to know too, kind of what, what I was saying, like, I mean, like, what the swans annoy about them too it's the kind of music that you don't get the first time you hear it yeah. you kind of you have to kind of chew on it you have to ruminate on it and it's like jazz it's like yeah. the first time you hear you know like mingus or miles davis you're like what is this and then the more you listen to it and then one day you just you get it it snaps light bulb goes off in the head oh okay you know it's the same thing with black metal like the first time you hear it you don't necessarily get the gist of it and all you're hearing is a <laughs> you know like but then one day when the light bulb goes off over your head you're like oh shit now i know where they're going with this and i think that's just the thing man like some of my favorite music that i've ever listened to is not stuff that i've immediately loved right from the get-go because you get bored of that within 10 minutes for me a lot of the music that i've always loved is music that i kind of have to go wait a minute there's something here and i know there is but i just don't quite have my finger on it man i just can't quite get my ears around this give me some time 
with it. And then it's like a it's like a Rubik's cube or like some type of formula or a mathematical puzzle to figure out. Once you get it, then it's like the universe opens up. You know, they give you the doors, the keys to the door, and you unlock it, and boom, you know. And it's like, oh shit, you know. And I think that's what people need to realize about black metal. Like, you know, when you hear it for the first time, it's not for everybody, but it's not just so shallow. Keep an open mind. There's yeah, you know, there's amazing stuff there some you know and just maybe you might have to work at it a little bit but you know good get off your ass work at it all right well i think we've covered a lot of this so we get a three thumbs up or three devil horns for this (laughs) yeah three devil horns yeah totally it's definitely i think even even if you're not a fan of the scene or know anything about it i think it, it works despite some problems i think it works really well as a film it's entertaining it is brutal and unpleasant in places it doesn't pull any punches but yeah I, I think it's uh, it's a very watchable film and whilst I can understand people being a little disappointed there, there seems to have been a fair bit of hate directed towards this out there on the interwebs and stuff I don't know that's what the internet's for right? The that's right yeah or criticize so full of posers yeah, that's what it is it's definitely a good film definitely yeah. I definitely have told people where I saw it the day it was available and it's definitely a good film I told you it was going to end badly Say cheese. All right. Well, before we head off here, we're uh, looking at next month's film. And what I'd like to do, I really want to thank you, Jimmy, for taking the time and uh, sitting here and shooting the shit with us this afternoon. And uh, as our way of saying thanks, man, we want to give you the opportunity to pick next month's film. If you, you think there of any music film that you think should be covered, what would you suggest? Is it a podcast for music films? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, now you're going to give me think hard now because oh, uh, I love music films. Why not the Wax Track? Do you do docs? Oh, yeah, of course we do. Yeah. yeah. Do the wax tracks. All right. If okay. We can, uh, if we can track it we'll down, do. yeah. Yeah, I'm up for that. We'll That'd be good. I think it's available now because I bought a Blu-ray of it, so it should be available. Oh, right. wow. Okay. No, I really appreciate this, man. Thank you for coming on because there wasn't anybody else I wanted on except you because I knew you were the man when it came to the black metal, man, and that was it. Well, let me do a plug. We have a record, a vinyl release of our first demo, Age of the Dark Renaissance, that'll be out in June on vinyl. Absolutely. Vinyl. It's very much in the very black metal in a sense, that record. It was our most black metal record. (laughs) It's coming out in June and we'll be playing some shows. And what's the label? Urban Grandeer. They named themselves after okay. the first song I wrote. Wow. Excellent. And Jimmy, Jimmy, man. tell us the, the name of your band again. Mal, Mal Havoc. Oh, yeah. What word? Mal Havoc. Mal Havoc. Yeah. Cool. All right. Excellent. Nice wicked man a little bit of housekeeping can I just point sure. out to people we're on the uh, the interwebs we're on Facebook you can join the group take part in all the interesting chatting and uh, arguments that go on there and we are also on Instagram see here podcast all one word and I kind of run the Instagram account sporadically so uh, there are new posts every now and again certainly when new episodes are coming out and again you can interact with us that way if you feel like it or email us uh, seeherepodcast.gmail.com excellent hey guys thanks for having oh, me man, hey. it was a pleasure yeah Absolute thanks for being pleasure, here man. Jimmy it's been really cool man thank you you're welcome thank you It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.